Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hello and Happy New Year from the Kyle Coster Show, coming to you live after the college football semifinal games. And once again, they were lackluster. Neither of them were particularly surprising as Alabama dispatched Cincinnati 27-6 to in a thoroughly dominating performance. And then Georgia crushed Michigan 34-11 to in a game that was not as close as the final score indicates. Once again, we are sitting here with two SEC teams playing for a championship. Alabama, their sixth title game in eight years. That's the total existence of the playoffs. They played Georgia one time. It was an instant classic Tua threw a touchdown in relief duty. Hopefully the championship game this year is as entertaining as the one we saw back a few years ago, because frankly, we need it. And it's what I want to talk about today. After I hit on some broader thoughts about the games last night, there's not that much to discuss in terms of X's and O's and and narrative, because it's kind of, the story of superior talent winning out over inferior talent. And once again, those who love the SEC will have a reason to beat their chest because the proof is in the pudding on the field. We saw the gulf between Alabama and Cincinnati. There's long been lamentations that the little guy never gets the chance to take on the big guy. We finally got it. It's a good thing. The good news is that Cincinnati did not acquit itself any worse than some of the teams that have found themselves against Alabama in that quarterfinal matchup. In the past, the bad news is they could not stay closer than three touchdowns, and it was a total domination of a game. Anybody harboring any hope that Luke Fickle's team had a chance to play with the Crimson Tide, a side that looked entirely human up until the SEC championship game, quickly realized that wasn't going to be the case as Nick Saban decided to establish the run game earlier. The first drive, 11 plays, 10 of them on the ground, Alabama finds the end zone, and ultimately that's all the points that they would need. Bearcats offense could not get anything going. Desmond Ritter was overmatched. There were certainly some chances for Cincinnati to capitalize and make this thing closer and more intriguing, but the same could be said for Alabama. Nick Saban had some interesting coaching decisions, getting conservative. They left some chances up on the field. There was a missed field goal. Once again, that Alabama kicking game For the greatest dynasty of all time, it's pretty amazing to think that finding someone who can hit field goals with regularity has not been part of their MO. In the later game, Georgia facing a crowd that was 75% Michigan fans. Michigan fans have waited so long for this relevance, winning the Big Ten for the first time since 2004. They go down to Miami. They have high hopes. Jim Harbaugh is wearing cleats. He has receiver's gloves. He's ready to go. He's asking a graduate assistant to check if he might have some eligibility left because he's ready to grab seven balls for 64 yards and a score. 
right out of the gate in that one too. Georgia asserts itself with a brutal ground game. Stetson Bennett, the fourth, was spectacular. He played the best game potentially of his career. They had playmakers on the outside. That Bulldogs defense absolutely manhandled Michigan. And the same can really be said about the offensive line of Georgia neutralizing Aiden Hutchinson. I tweeted out, and it wasn't snarky, midway through the third quarter, is the Heisman Trophy runner-up playing in this game? Because his presence was so neutralized. You look at that Michigan defense. If anything was a surprise to me last night is that Michigan's defense failed to show up against Georgia. I thought that this unit has playmakers. I mean, they have two top 10 picks. Hutchinson going into the game was riding high, maybe the most momentum of anybody in the country. He could do precious little. Bennett looked like the explosive playmaker he hasn't for most of the year, both through the air and on the ground. Delvin Cook's brother, James Cook, put on a display that even the finest running backs in the NFL would be proud of, including I thought the play that just showed the talent that Georgia has and that Michigan was kind of in a fate accompli was that go route on third down where cook got past the linebacker and coverage for like 45 yards. That was just a microcosm of the night. Very little drama, very little intrigue. And there'll be plenty of time to talk about that, Alabama Georgia rematch and what it means. I think it's going to be pretty good. I don't think Georgia's going to be losing by 24 points. I think they figured some things out on offense. Bryce Young won the Heisman, but he's one of these weird cases where game to game, you can really keep him down. You look at the Auburn game, and honestly, Cincinnati didn't exactly get embarrassed by him through the air. I mean, losing Michi is a is a huge loss, and I think that it showed in the semifinal game. I'm expecting a tighter game for all the marbles. The line right now is Georgia is favored by two and a half, I believe. But the main thing I want to talk about today, as I was sending some text while the game was going on to some people who work in college football, this was really interesting, talking behind closed doors about, you know what, this, this system kind of stinks, and you did see – the public sentiment turn on social media last night that college football might be broken. And whether that means expanding the playoffs, now we have an argument of you're going to have people who say expanding the playoff is only going to mean more blowouts like the one we saw in the semifinal games last night. You're going to have the other side saying that, no, actually that's going to make things better because you have the better, you have a higher chance of having some intriguing games. It's going to build to something. I tend to agree with the latter camp, because I think that more competitive high stakes football is always going to be a good thing. I think we make this thing as close to the NFL playoffs as we can. And college football is going to be in a much better place than it is. One of the main things that we were talking about on those texts last night that I had going with a few people is that just kind of some candid honesty of how we feel that the momentum of the season really grinds to a halt between conference championship Saturday and these bowl games and certainly the semifinal games because they start and you just haven't been up for a football game at the college level that's had stakes for over three weeks. And I don't know if you're like me. I don't know if you're like some of my friends 
it's really tough to get those juices flowing again. And I felt it again last night and I was in the same place as I've been so many times watching Clemson roll or watching Clemson get steamrolled by somebody else, Ohio state steamrolling someone or getting steamrolled themselves. It was just kind of this level of apathy where something feels a bit hollow and a bit foreign about blowing it all out for college football. And it's a damn shame because I don't think there's a sport I enjoy more week to week than college football. So it's doubly frustrating that when it gets its moment in the spotlight, maybe for people who haven't been following all year to watch these three games so often it falls flat. I don't think that there's a sport that I enjoy more week to week than college football. So it's doubly frustrating for it to get to this time of the year and just feel like a dud. And I think what's responsible for that is the layoff. And I think that we've created a problem by giving these teams a month off. So I got to thinking when we go to a 12 team playoff and God willing, we will, that seems to be all the momentum. It's a matter of when, not if, uh, the latest I've heard is it might take longer than a lot of people think. I kind of believe that human ingenuity and the almighty dollar, if it's shown to be a lucrative proposition and on paper, it certainly seems to be. But one of the things that I haven't seen talked about that I think is of paramount importance is nailing the timing, much like stand-up comedy. Timing is everything in college football. Old joke there. I don't know if you caught it. And I think that the sport would be well served to kind of game it out, to wrap everything up on New Year's Day. I think that in the playoff era, as we've gone on January 11th, January 12th for a title game, momentum peters out. It goes up against the NFL playoffs. And I really think that college football is missing a golden opportunity to own December in a way that they haven't before. And it's by shortening the layup. So I sat down and created this modest proposal for what I think should be done as we go into the 12-team playoff. I tweeted it out. Didn't get a lot of response. People were busy. That's fine. What are we going to do in terms of schedule? And what would we like to see in terms of a television plan for this 12-team tournament? Nailing it is super important. It hasn't been in the forefront of a lot of people's minds. And I think it's something that we really should think about on the front end so we can design a system collectively that we enjoy before one is foisted upon us that we have real problems with. I know that everybody hates it's the New Year's Eve playoff. And I don't love it, even as someone who is probably never going to have New Year's plans ever again because I'm going to be a father of three here. Bless up. I think that's part of the reason why it doesn't feel like a big event and what we do with the Rose bowl, what we do with the sugar bowl as these playoffs go down the line is another thing that's going to be figured out by people smarter than me, but let's just explore my idea briefly for what we can do going forward in the new era. I'd love your feedback on it. I feel pretty good about the system I've put in place and I'm going to lay it out for you after this break. Blindsided, a new podcast from our friends at the Players' Tribune, is about sports, mental health, and life. Hosted by former NHL goalie Corey Hirsch and psychiatrist Dr. Diane McIntosh, 
The podcast will share and analyze the moments for a variety of athletes when everything changed for them and what happened when it did. The podcast lets listeners hear these athletes describe moments when mental health became the most important focus in their lives. Blindsided then dives in deeper. It gets clinical and it allows listeners to leave with an understanding of the different varieties of mental health challenges people face, why they appear, and how athletes in particular face them down. Blindsided is a sports podcast not only for people who follow sports, but also for those who don't. That's Blindsided from Players Tribune. All right, let's talk about my plan and what it requires. Now, in order for this to work, we're going to have to play the conference title games the Saturday or Friday after Thanksgiving, and that's going to mean moving the season up one week. I don't think that's going to be a problem. Why not? Why not get a jump start on the NFL? The NFL starts after Labor Day. We've seen the college game creep into August before. Week zero was not well populated. I guess my thought is let's populate week zero. The next week after that, we begin the 12-team tournament. Now, the top four teams are going to get a buy in all brackets and proposals that we've seen, meaning there's four games featuring the teams 5 through 12. What I'm proposing is that Friday, we give you an 8 p.m. game, the best one of the weekend. These are going to be played on campus, we believe. We give you a standalone game Friday at 8 o'clock. Then, Saturday, after that, we give you a noon, a 3.30, and a 7.30 three major games, eliminators. It is a great weekend of football. No break after that. All gas. The next weekend are the quarters. We do a Friday at eight as well. The standalone game, the marquee, give you another night to watch something, but not too much. Saturday, again, we hit the noon, the 3.30 in the 7.30. Weekend after that, the semis, we play them Saturday, 3.30 and 7.30, just like the college football playoff was done yesterday. Now, it's very important for us to get this done before Christmas. It should not be a problem. I've looked at the calendar. It is my firm belief that taking a break and giving a bunch of bye weeks is the exact problem with college football. I don't think that these kids necessarily need it. I would love for them to keep going and keep the momentum, keep the interest hot. We get these semis done the Saturday or even like nine days before Christmas, we get it done about when the bowl season starts. Now we give you Christmas. We give you that downtime. We certainly don't want our tournament interfering with the holiday gift giving, but how do we preserve the sanctity and the sacredness of January 1st? We take a buy and whether that's two weeks, whether that's 17 days, whatever the case may be, we play the championship game New Year's Day, 6.30, just like the Super Bowl. We build it up just like the Super Bowl. I really think that we follow what the NFL has done and done to perfection. The NFL nails the playoffs because I will tell you, as someone who is not a rabid consumer week to week of NFL, once it gets late in the season and the playoffs start, they hit Saturday and Sunday, those first two rounds. Those are the best days of football on the calendar. We're going to have more do or die inventory in college football. When we go to 12, let's capitalize strike while the iron is hot in December and then have it all culminate on what's long been college football's most important and revered day, new year's day. And we play it at six 30 and we blow it out big time. That is how I think 
the playoff system should start. That is a TV schedule that you would love to be doing. Think of all these weekends you would be watching meaningful college football that you're not currently doing it. I love this proposal. I'd love to see what you guys have under your hat because my biggest fear when they go to 12 is they're going to find a way to screw this up and they're going to drag this thing into late January and they're going to go in the wrong direction. We need to get this done sooner. We cannot be dragging it out. College football is a very specific part of the calendar it can capture. I don't believe it can go head to head with the NFL playoffs. The championship game as it is now on a Monday, I believe is a total dud. They don't even, it, it's an afterthought. People are like, oh yeah, the title game. Now, do I think this is exactly what's going to go down? No. But to be honest, I haven't seen a lot of proposals out there and I'm a little bit flying blind about what would happen in such a world where we decided on the field. Whatever they decide, it's going to be several more days of watching high stakes college football. And hopefully it'll come right on the heels of watching it all through the season. So you don't have to relearn, reacclimate yourself to the product. Not holding my breath that anybody's going to listen to me on this, but I really think I'm onto something and maybe the powers that be are on the same page and they have this all set up and drawn up on the whiteboard and then way ahead of me. My sense is they're not judging on college football from the last 40 years. So in summation, that's the plan for the 12 team playoff as it relates to what we saw last night, not a big surprise, kind of disappointing, kind of depressing. I'm kind of sick of the major players finding their way to the promised land each and every single year. It's not that I don't like Alabama. The opposite is true, really. Nick Saban is really malleable and he's changed. He's adopted all the new things about the game and he's evolved. We didn't see that last night. It was just a rock fight. Bill O'Brien said, I'm going to run the football 47 times for 301 yards. Kirby Smart, probably the most interesting element of the night, how he just was adamant about not getting a Gatorade shower from his team because there were more mountains to climb in the future. Part of me was like, come on, man, just have fun. This is what the bowl season is about. If you can't enjoy the fruits of success, why do this? But part of me really respected it because you know that the sting of losing the title game to Alabama is still fresh and the sting of getting embarrassed in the SEC title game is also extraordinarily fresh. And I know it's a dumb thing, but it kind of convinced me that it is going to be Georgia's year and they are going to be on a mission because what I saw out there on that field against Michigan, I didn't know that Michigan was capable of playing that poorly. And they played that poorly because Georgia took them out of every single thing that they wanted to do kind of emasculated them in a lot of ways. And they were flying blind and all the deficiencies came home to roost. So in my mind, what Georgia did last night was every bit as impressive of what Alabama did to Georgia and the sec championship game, whether they can bring that momentum here in what is it now going to be 10, 11 days when it all matters, that remains to be seen. In closing, one thing for us to enjoy is that is that this is probably one of the swan songs of this current format, which left a lot of people feeling unsatisfied. I know that there's a lot of people not particularly thrilled with college football right now in the state it's in. 
there are some major hurdles and some major major challenges to overcome, and it's going to need smart leadership and bold thinkers to usher in a new era, which has not been in high supply. But you know, hope springs eternal in a new year, and I think that once this playoff era starts, we're going to look back at these eight years and how we suffered through a lot of blowouts and wonder like, Hey, we were so silly for putting up with something like that, for putting up with something that was not as fun for the audience. And maybe the blowouts will still persist because there's always going to be one or two teams that separate themselves from the pack. What we could do is we could blunt some of those boring nights by giving some exhilarating early round playoff matchups like happens often in the NFL. Even if the Super Bowl is a bust, even if the conference championship games are a bust, you have the opportunity in the NFL to have thrilling wildcard and divisional matchups. And as college football shifts more in, into a professional product, we should see them doing the same thing. So that's my little New Year's Day podcast. I know a lot of you are probably still hungover, won't listen to this for a few days. But when you do, I'd love to hear what you think about my proposal for the 12-team television schedule. Uh, if you were work at ESPN or another rights holder, please get in my DMs and tell me why this won't work so I don't sound like an idiot or congratulate me. That's the Kyle Coster Show for this January 1st, 2022. I'm still writing 2021 on all my NFTs. 